Well, good afternoon and welcome to this week's Nebraska Soybean Board Weekly Market Roundup. I'm Susan Littlefield, actually on location today. I am, as you can see, you're going to see people walking behind me. Don't stress about it. And they're going to wave. Um, we are at the NEMSA conference that's taking place in Kearney. So we've got EMTs, paramedics, EMRs, and nurses attending classes throughout this weekend. So lots of things happening. Speaking of lots of things happening, we had a market this week that obviously came off of the, the report earlier this week, the digestion that went on to that report add to it on the livestock side how did that report affect your livestock trade how is box beef moving and what's happening in our packing facilities as we continue to hear about the slowdown of chain speed it may be small but this little bean fuels a lot of power it powers a food industry as a top source of protein it's a fuel that powers diesel engines with fewer emissions it powers a state economy and bottom lines, and it powers the rest of the world as a top Nebraska export. Yeah, it may be small, but we're finding more ways for this little bean to power Nebraska. Welcome back once again as we flip the screen and bring on two great gentlemen to talk about what's been happening in the markets. Mike Zuzalo with Global Commodity Analytics and Brad Coima with Coima Coima Environment out of Sioux Center, Iowa. And gentlemen, an interesting week as we took a look at what's been happening in the trade. Uh, Mike, I want to start out with you. What were your thoughts on this report this week and did the markets thereafter react like you thought they would? Yeah, and first of all, before I go, Susan, thank you for your uh, first responder duties and all you do. And, and please thank all the people in that group. That if you get a chance, we sure appreciate it. Um, my, my take on the report before and after was pretty similar with one another. I was hoping that the world ending stocks would come in and help support a, a decline in demand if we saw it, especially in the wheat and in the corn. And I think that happened. Uh, I really like the hard red wheat acreage base against the soft red wheat acreage base, the hard red being low, the soft red being high. That matched up, Susan, with a lot of what producers had been telling me. Um, and also matches up with the idea that if we're going to have a new weather event, it's probably going to remain in the hard red wheat belt country. Um, the last thing that I'll finish with is the idea that before the report, the trade was really geared up for some bullish bean numbers in terms of South American supply. And we got that. We got a big cut in world stocks to use ratios in the soybeans, almost two percentage, two full percentage points of a cut versus December, thanks to the South American bean reduction. But I think the trade was a little bit off base and a little bit surprised by the big cut in Argentina's corn production. And I think the rest of the week we saw a reversal of buying beans and selling corn. They unwound that spread and instead bought corn and sold beans. And that's something I would look for maybe is to continue on that path, especially if we miss some really critical, really critical rains in Argentina this weekend. Brad, for you, as, as we look at the livestock side of this and they and they try to interpret this report, we heard a lot of rumblings just this last week of producers worried about shortness in, in soybean meal and other byproducts to be able to feed livestock. Looking at these numbers and, and what you're hearing, is there some reason for concern? Well, you're talking to, you know, a county that I'm in that's the number one county in Iowa for cattle, hogs, dairy, and by the way, chickens. So obviously we were a tremendous uh, end user importer of corn, particularly, uh, and any other feedstuff, of course. Um, and so the uh, the driver here uh, is maybe less the report 
but you know, a hundred years ago when I started, I remember an old timer said, write this down, basis spreads and then the market. This corn basis is ridiculous for my area and it has been for a long time, ridiculously strong, I mean. Uh, uh, the demand for corn, we've got within 90 miles, I believe we've got 11 ethanol plants. Uh, the demand for and the profitability of grinding corn for ethanol is is huge. Uh, I'm not telling anybody you don't know, but I mean, that's really what's what's pressed the basis, the cash corn. And, you know, to see the spreads invert like this is not common. I'm sure Mike knows that, too. Um, so, you know, we kind of walked into the deal with uh, as an end user kind of an area that, well, if we'd see some uh, negative news in the corn, it, it, it we thought it presented a buying opportunity. Um, the bean deal, you know, this is obviously a high production area here. Uh, some of us, I suppose, because of what you look at out of your own windshield, which is always dangerous, but we had just giant bean yields here, uh, record setting, frankly, and on, on our my own farm with my son, uh, we never had bean yields that approached anything like this. You know, so to see a slight uptick in that, in that uh, average yield was not a surprise, but again, you know, one needs to be careful about making a localized uh, generalization. So, yeah, whether it rains or not here on uh, the day we all have off is going to be a pretty big deal when we talk about what's going on with South America. I'm glad you brought that up. And uh, we do have a holiday coming up on Monday. Having said that, there is no markets that day. You've got three days to digest weather talk out of South America, uh, weather issues that continue in Kansas. If the storm system moving through is going to bring any sort of, sort of moisture like it is right now to you and your neck of the woods, Brad. Well, and yeah. To guess that thing is, is I hesitate to even go there. I uh, I was kind of of the view that the, the beans had built quite a bit of premium into that. What if it never rains again in South America? Um, so, I, you know, I, I, we've actually got a little bit of a hedge recommendation on above $13 on November beans for the clients. I mean, not not 100% by any means, but to get a start. So I my feeling would be that the next thing our market's going to do is start to think less about some of the other stuff and think more about our planning intentions and what our spring wheat weather looks like or all that other stuff on the small grains. So, um, you know, if I had to summarize my view, I think the corn's all right and I'm not sure the beans are. I mean, I, I, I think I'm friendly corn and not so much on the beans. All right, Mike, for you, looking at the folks have been really talking about what's been happening weather-wise in Kansas. We know December 15th has now come and gone. It's hard to believe it was a month ago tomorrow that these storms and fires move through, but winter wheat has not improved any when it comes to snow cover and in these colder temperatures. No, and I think this is really crucial for the rancher out there and the livestock feeder and kind of dovetailing on what Brad was talking about. If we really do have to start paying attention to the feed side of the equation in 2022, whether we're a hog producer or a cattle feeder, because I think that's gonna be the most volatile and maybe the most frightening when it comes to going in the red as a rancher, as a backgrounder, as a cow-calf producer. <clears throat> it really doesn't matter if you're a feedlot manager or a cow-calf producer to me, Susan, this year, because this D2 to D4 drought that's being shown up on the drought monitor is getting worse and worse and worse. And we're all watching it in Kansas. And it's less than what it was last year, but it's inching up to what it was last year. But in states like Montana, we've got a D2 to D4 drought of 86%. Last year at this time, it was at three or eight percent. And for the South, meaning Oklahoma and Texas, they were nothing like this as bad as they are right now. Their D2 to D4 drought is 47 percent. 
versus about 17 last year at this time. And I really focus on that D2 to D4 because that's the part of the drought that is extremely hard to get away from and, and alleviate, especially after you get to the springtime rains and get through those. So I think this is where the rancher really needs to dot his I's and cross his T's because I don't think it's just going to be corn that goes up. It's not just going to be sorghum this year. I think you're going to see hay and, 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 and row prices, all kinds of background prices start to go up with the feed grains if this drought doesn't get any better. Having said that, Brad, you're kind of my cattle expert, my go-to. Does that concern you at all that we're seeing this dry weather now and maybe you're going to see some cows coming to market versus holding them to be able to, to get calves next year? You raise a great, you raise a great point and, 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 and one as a guy that wants to be a glass half full guy, I'm about ready to puke. I'm so sick of talking about this cow liquidation. This is three years now. Um, so modern, let's go back modern. What I've got data on 20 years worth, uh, you know, looking at last year's cow slaughter, uh, second largest, the only one larger is 2011. Okay, if anybody can't remember that ball buster drought that 2011 was in the Southwest, right? You know, by the way, dairy liquidation too. Um, now, one other little foretelling in uh, 2013 was a sharp increase of four or five dollar rally in the milk prices. That just happened too. You know, I don't know if you trade milk futures or not, but that just happened here again too. So, you know, that that did slow down that that dairy cow kill then, and I would suspect it'll probably slow it down now. But you know, to, I agree with Mike completely. And, and even to dovetail on top of that comment, what we've seen now is this huge increase in placements of light cattle, cattle that would have gone out on wheat, uh, and there's no wheat to graze. And if there is, they don't dare to for fear of wrecking a little bit that they have, right? So you're going to see a bigger placement number, even though you can only place them once, and they're going to be 500-pounder instead of 700-pounder coming out in March or April. But still, it, it, it moves supply around a little bit. doesn't change it, but moves it a little bit, probably more to me and my way of thinking into maybe that August-September slot instead of, um, instead of later than that. Uh, but if it would rain this spring, if these guys would decide that now is the time to start to, to hold a replacement heifer, uh, you know, you're going to, you're going to see a, a dramatic change in supply. Um, I wished I knew if it was going to or not. I mean, we've got to, we got a ways to go. He's right. I mean, we've got, we've, we've sucked down every pond, every subsoil moisture deal in a lot of these areas. Uh, and yet I've lived long enough to know that all of a sudden you can flip a switch and, and it rains, right? you know? So, um, as a as a cattle fundamentalist and a guy that likes to trade long term, um, those spring conditions are going to be something that's critical to what my opinion the fourth quarter this year and first quarter of next year will be. Um, <clears throat> at some point, you're going to have to cut off this liquidation anyway, I would think. But yeah, we need to have grass. That's that's kind of the bottom line. What are your thoughts on on box beef? Straight up, uh, we've got more demand than there's product because of the two weeks of terrible, well, two weeks of light slaughter because of the holidays, we knew that. But then we were expecting to come back to refill this whole pipeline with big kill, right? You know, reload everybody's deal. And instead we've got COVID hampered, absenteeism, call it whatever you want to. We're killed probably in the last two weeks, 65 to 70,000 less cattle than we should have in that same two week period. Uh, so the pipeline's empty and they're gonna, they're gonna, they're going to chase it. Uh, that's also why I think they won't lower the cash market because of the optics of that. They don't want to have them, everybody looking at them again. So, All right, real fast, Mike, uh, we have a holiday on Monday. What can we expect when the trade reopens? 
Argentina, Russia, and how that January meal exploded on the close on expiration, then that's going to be a big deal with the spread there, Susan. So that's your soybean comment for the end of the show. Thanks for having me. All right. Thanks, gentlemen. As always, a reminder, folks, that commodity futures and options do involve a substantial risk of loss, and they're not suitable for all investors. This has been the Nebraska Soybean Board Weekly Market Roundup, being brought to you by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and the Checkoff.